see. And I wanted to see what this looks like, too, when we go live. All right, yeah, we're on. Let's see what the page looks like. Okay. <clears throat> Did you start your recorder? No. Okay. Live. Going now. Do you have the stream going on your thingy, or maybe I can get it going on mine? No, I can't. It didn't show a live icon or anything. I can get it going on mine. It's kind of nice. Just to monitor it, or? Yeah, well, it's kind of nice to see the live chat. Yeah, oh, there it is. There's that. Two watching. Okay, Spurge says it's working. Cool. And so does so does Gerald Greenberg. Hey, That's Gerald. Jerry, good old Jerry. That's an issue we need to settle. Okay, yeah. my internet alias is Gerald Greenberg. Understood. So if there's somebody else posing <laughs> as Gerald Greenberg out there, I'm just calling bullshit right now. An so. Imposter. Yeah. Somebody's masquerading out there as Gerald <laughs> Greenberg, and they're you know smearing my name. Dragging me through the mud. And I've had enough. That's it. Yeah. Probably an SJW imposter. Yep. All right. Well, you think you want to get us going? Yep. Yep. Okay. I have my Sorry. wonderful script. <laughs> so this is the Project Ion show for... Hold on. <laughs> I got to get my stuff together. All right. Project Ion podcast for February 2nd, 2019. Uh, limited crew today. Myself, Kevin, and Jimmy is over there running the board and controls. Um, we'll see. Maybe Dave will show up. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Dave. To, Dave, if you're out there watching us, uh, listening. Please. Fake news. Kyle was supposed to be here too, I but uh, his paternity leave. Yeah, he's got a, I guess a passable excuse. <laughs> we'll give him. Yeah, this is the last of, of his excuses. Um, projectionpodcast.home.blog is our website. Um, if you want to go and check out archive past shows slowly being uploaded kind of one by one like one every other day or so just to avoid system overload we are on itunes as well if you search for project ion podcast takes a little digging to get through some of the results as we uh gain in popularity but we're Mm -hmm. rising to the top uh, slowly but surely we are on youtube you know that if you're watching us live right now project ion podcast and email us at project ion podcast at gmail.com Questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, we also accept sponsorships for a very reasonable price. Uh, yeah, that's it. Am I forgetting anything? Um, are we plugging? Did Shep sponsor us this time? You no, know, he was a little light this yeah. this week, but yeah. we can go ahead and give him a plug. Shep's yeah. PC Repair, Northwest Iowa's pre- premier Mac and PC Repair service, virus removal, general system tune-up, uh, hardware, software, screen replacements, data backups, and so much more. Check out ShepsPCRepair.com. 712-209-3609 for an appointment. Most services, and many of them, can be performed remotely. Shep's PC Repair. What's right. up? Great intro, Vin. Seriously, the <laughs> intro game it. is Definitely pretty on point here lately. Yeah. 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 It's a lot you know, a lot better than the way I always had. Those episodes that when we had like Tay on and stuff, like, okay, here we go. Live. Live. <laughs> so, Tay. What's your favorite guitar player? 
yeah, some of that content I'm, you know, not the proudest of, but yeah. we do have a few lost episodes. Really? That we're going to bust out. Perhaps for Patreon subscribers. <laughs> yeah, we should set up a Patreon. Bonus content. <laughs> Put it behind a paywall. <laughs> Premium Project Ion experience. Yes, sir. So. Uh, Spurge says he likes a new background. And he said, Kevin, yes, Kevin is definitely in a forest. I'm in the, yep. in the woods or in the weeds. Yeah, we, uh, I wanted to, well, it's getting kind of like dungeony down here. So I wanted to spruce it up a little bit. Yeah. But I'm ching. You're doing your, <laughs> you're doing your, your eco part too. I think. That's right. Yeah. Well, I've always liked, you know, forests are like one of my favorite environments. Yeah. It's always been something that I've been keen on, but. Huh. Anyways, well, if, if uh, Kyle were here, the lazy bum, I would have uh, I would have trolled him on the clear evidence of global warming we've oh, been yeah. experiencing over the last week. Man, I hate global warming. <laughs> I was listening on that subject. I was listening to a thing where, and I, admittedly, it was probably the of the partisan variety, but <laughs> the complaint was it's like okay, every time it's cold and somebody says, "Hey, it's cold." Where's the global warming, i.e. Trump's tweet or something? Did he have a tweet last week? He did, to to kind of the same same, uh, notion that I'm getting here. We we got a big polar vortex. Okay, (laughs) where's the global warming? Where is it? But, so, yeah, so when uh, when it's cold and somebody's like, where's the global warming, then the climate people are all, well, that's just an isolated incident in the weather. Yes. Weather so, is not equal to climate. Is you know, they, right. Yeah, that was the idea. But yeah. then when, whenever there's a hurricane or something, then it, all of a sudden it's indicative of uh-huh. the uh, warming ocean waters and that sort of thing. It's like there's, no, there's nothing that could happen that could possibly be contrary to the idea that global warming exists or climate change. I full disclosure. I don't know where I am on that issue. I I'm probably in line with mainstream science on it. What ticks me off, and we got into this a bit last time, was this idea of like shutting people up that do dissent or disagree with the so-called 97, mm-hmm. 93 or ninety-seven percent of scientists that agree. And that's something I'd like to get into too. Is what is that three percent that disagrees with the mainstream on on global warming or climate change? Uh, why do they disagree? Where did this 97% number come from in the first place? And why is it constantly being touted as like gospel? Mm-hmm. That's my big question. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, if you're looking at it sort of maybe from somebody with no ax to grind one way mm-hmm. or another, I mean, could you look at it as, well, okay, what we have is super overwhelming evidence that it is X, Y, or Z or the other, but, or could it be just some sort of dogmatic thing that everybody yeah. follows and then what's and if don't let me put words in your mouth but is like all you're really asking is just what if why what's the harm in hashing it out and and yeah. seeing uh what the arguments are i i think so and and what you would get from the other side is we've already settled that it is an issue and now the discussion now the argument should be what do we do about it mm-hmm. um but some of us maybe myself included i don't i don't really know um some of us are still asking is it is it happening to the degree that we think it is? And are humans responsible for it? Um, and furthermore, which humans? Um, I think you could make the argument that the United States contributes comparatively less to greenhouse gases, whatever it's called, compared to like other countries such as China. Right. China. China. 
And so the question is, is it happening? Okay, if it is, how much are humans causing it? And which humans are causing it? Mm -hmm. And what can we do to reverse it? But yeah. I don't think the discussion is to that point yet. I think we need to maybe put the brakes on a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Well, aren't the calls then for sweeping policy changes and that sort of thing where it would cost a lot of money and we've got to react fast because the world's going to like be over in 12 years. And Yeah, which they said like 12 years ago, uh -huh. right? But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, because obviously if, if action needs to be taken, then tax dollars get involved and legislation and regulations get introduced and things happen. Things, And if it if it is happening to the degree that it's purported to be, then things should be happening and moving mm -hmm. forward. But like I say, I'm not sure if we're to that point yet. Um, I wish I knew more about it. Yeah. I, I wish I was more, I don't know, biologically or scientifically inclined right. that way. I'm just a dumb computer programmer. No, I agree with you. I, I feel the same way yeah. in terms of wishing I knew more about it. Um, I guess maybe on the one hand, though, I suppose you could argue it's like, well, what's the harm in uh, um, everybody taking steps to be more eco-friendly? Sure. Regardless, sure. I mean, isn't doesn't that can't we like demonstrably show that oh, that yeah. benefits everybody? I mean, definitely. After all, you're the guy that drives a Prius, right? <laughs> I do that strictly for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. That thing is basically free to drive. Turns out it it really is horrible in weather such as ours, but. Um, yeah, for me, it's totally economical, and you know, I commute every day back right. and forth. So, um, it's not like I, I bought that thing to try and save the planet or anything like that. It was uh, more pragmatic than that. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I'm not saying let's just throw all our garbage out the windows and just be totally reckless in what we do with our trash. No, definitely recycle as much as possible, and that's all good stuff. I don't think you could argue against that. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, some of the more widespread broad like carbon tax are you yeah. familiar with carbon tax right. which is like if i understand it correctly it's like companies paying a tax for the amount of pollution they put out into the environment to kind of offset it mm -hmm. with the thought that that money will go towards um environmental cleanliness hopefully know. yeah in other right. areas theoretically <laughs> where do the do those monies go i don't know but right. that's the, the idea i think and that's the path that i think a lot of these climatists would like to go down but Mm -hmm. got a few viewer comments if you'd like Sweet. me to. Um, Gerald Greenberg says, <laughs> OMG, Kevin, shut up. Okay. And then he says, yes, it's happening unless you don't recognize data. <laughs> Maybe that's all fake news, too. <laughs> well, Take data. I mean, weren't we trying to, like, parse out what was being claimed and then, you know, what what is the evidence like how can we funnel the evidence to support which particular claim right i mean if you break yeah. it down to is the earth warming right that's like mm -hmm. the one that's the first step yep and then that's i assume that's where the data comes in right because mm -hmm. you can track the temperatures and that kind of thing and then the next step is are humans responsible right right and then is it what's the timeline of when things go south or something and i suppose like at what juncture does it get to where are we out of the 97 percent do you know what i mean like yeah i think so um yeah and and how much like how much action needs to be taken um gosh I, it's i think like the other day we were talking about it with kyle on another episode and it was kind of like he was of the of the mindset that like okay, it's happening, it's it's as clear as, you know, one plus one equaling two. Mm -hmm. um, and if that truly is the case, if that if that is what 
the evidence shows and, and points to, then yeah, I guess we shouldn't waste time debating it. But right. I'm not sure that hey, we're to that point yet, but I'm not a scientist. So. Mm. Welcome to the Dunning-Kruger Effect podcast, where <laughs> <laughs> people bloviate about what they don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anything in, yeah. Good times. <laughs> you want to move on to yeah. some news? That wasn't even really part of the show. <laughs> yeah. I've got to, hey, we can do a news. Check this out. Breaking news. News break. <laughs> that sounded official like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you had something from from Des Moines, or, or yeah, go ahead. Um, so I this was a this is an anecdote type thing that popped up on my Facebook feed um, that a mutual friend I won't use any names obviously to uh, protect the innocent, but um, this this girl that I know shared a post from somebody else, and the context was she was in a West Des Moines target store and this girl is of the muslim persuasion and she had an exchange with some people for which which was broken down and you know transcribed by this girl Mm -hmm. and uh, put in a post and i've um delegated the duty of reading this stuff to mr kevin because he's got a better radio voice than radio um, post says, I walked into a store this morning and passed by two guys talking. As I am walking, my dad calls me and I talk to him in Arabic. Then I kind of hear what these guys are talking about because I hear Trump and wall. My stomach drops as I then hear, just like this effing foreigner right here. Obviously, they heard me talking in a different language and their own insecurities uh, caused them to defend themselves the only way they know how. I walk away and ignore them fuming. As I realize the only way out is back towards them, I brace for impact. Glad you could use our American dollars to pay for that coffee. I stop and say, would you like me to get you one as well? Of course, shock appeared on their face because I speak English and don't have an accent. And because I had the strength to talk back, he said, yeah, that'd be real funny, wouldn't it? Just go back to your country. Accent uh, my own. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that is the worst statement someone can make. This is my country. So I say... Were you born here? He says, yes. I said, funny, so was I. He doesn't stop. That don't matter. We speak English here. (laughs) I'm sorry. So what language am I speaking right now? And how do you understand me if I'm not speaking English? A different customer walked up after hearing this conversation and said, why don't you leave her alone? Silence. Uh, I then start walking away with this other person who supported me. Then I hear, you just walk away. I stop and say, where is your family from? He said, born and raised American. I said, America. <laughs> right, but originally. He said, Germany. I said, well, when you go back to Germany, let me know. I will leave too. Then I walked away. Uh, I wouldn't have done this had I thought I was in danger. Uh, had I thought I was in danger. There was a lot of people in the store. I can't not say anything because people like him are what's wrong with America. I'm lucky that this doesn't happen often to me, but when it does... It still boils my blood just as much. It angers me, blah, blah, blah. This post won't change the world. Um, if this happens to you, speak up for someone else or blah, blah, blah. I think that's the gist of it. Yep. Thank you for reading that. I appreciate it. So when I, I read through this and the friend of mine that shared it, I kind of know how she thinks about things generally. Mm-hmm. Um, her reaction to all of this was to, I would say, virtue signal, um, you know, to not make it sound like a pejorative, I guess, as much as possible, but she yeah. was uh, laying it on thick. We can 
I think fairly say that. Sure. Um, do do people have a good idea of what what virtue signal means? Do you think maybe it's worth yeah a sentence or two? Well, I guess I guess to me the way I and t- correct me if you disagree with me, but yeah. uh, I I think virtue signaling it's sort of like a conspicuous way to either put a degree of separation between yourself and whatever you think is bad mm. or to kind of draw attention to yourself yeah. and say, well, look how, look how woke I am or look how, yes. uh, um, you know, look how good of a person I am because yeah. I feel X, Y, Z about this. And I mean, I don't know for certain things. I don't really have a problem with it. It's sort of, breaks down to the minutia kind of for me and like the substance of whatever it is they're mm. virtuing over because I mean, I, everybody's got their own pet issues, I suppose. Yeah. And some things grind my gears a little bit more than, than others. But, uh, when, when I think of virtue signal, I think of there was an award show, the Oscars, Grammy, something like that, where Robert De Niro gets up on stage and he's like, I've got one thing to say. F Trump. Right. And the crowd goes wild. And it's like, wow, what a brave statement. Yeah. Get up in front of Hollywood at, a, at an awards show and, and slam the president. Mm-hmm. Wow. Aren't you brave? Yep. And yeah, that, that to me is like a textbook example of virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think your definition is no, spot yeah, on. I, I agree. And I, I suppose that stuff exists like a lot of things on a spectrum mm. where there's a little, you know, a, a kind of tiny little bit of a virtue signal versus a, the kind that's sh- the shooting fish in a barrel uh, <laughs> yeah. order, the Robert De Niro at the, I mean, where could you be? That's a, <laughs> a bigger yeah. uh, cadre of uh, liberal thinking than um, like a Hollywood yeah. awards party. But, and can you imagine being, God forbid, a conservative in that crowd or somebody that's not as left leaning as most of those folks are mm-hmm. just be, like shrinking in your seat, maybe, or maybe even just applauding because you feel like you have to, to fit in. But yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, not to detract. Um, but anyway, you know, this girl's, uh, thing that she put up, if you accept it as true, I guess. And in today's universe of endless skepticism, I was sort of, honestly skeptical of it mm-hmm. at first because it read to me to be almost cartoonish in some mm-hmm. ways because mm-hmm. it in my mind's eye i imagined kind of sweet little muslim girl with a burqa on you know minding her own sure. business as she's walking through target and then here's like a couple of greasy <laughs> uh middle-aged stinky redneck guys with maga hats on be like <laughs> darky take your <laughs> stuff back to yes. pakistan or whatever yeah. and i mean Maybe that happens in West Des Moines, but I, I don't know. I'm a little apprehensive to just accept it at face value without right. any corroborative evidence. Yeah, it sounded a bit scripted to me as well. Um, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of talking, you know, before the show, if this indeed did happen, if this encounter did in fact take place, um, Kudos to her for reacting the way she did yeah. and trying to stomp out and shut this kind of racism down. Um, but if it didn't, yeah, virtue signaling all the way um, yeah. to, to, I don't know, try to paint a picture of what this part of the country is mm-hmm. like towards minorities and, and outsiders, so to speak. Well, I yeah, I mean, I don't know this girl from Eve, so mm-hmm. there's no way that, uh, that I can... Um, verify any of it or you know i've got no idea as to what her credibility is like right um but yeah i mean she says she had a line in there 
that was that kind of stuck out to me and it was something of the gist of it's a shame that people feel like they have the right to demean people and yeah there's oh something along those it, what it, it to me it was sort of the hate speech thing sure. Which, like as we've talked about has no real definition yeah so um my kind of take and i'm i'm not trying to tell her how she should feel about something like this um granted that we grant that it was true um she should have the right to feel however she mm-hmm. wants to about it but i was a little surprised that she kind of um wasn't proud of the way that she reacted to the situation because it seemed to me like she was like surgical with her retorts and everything yeah. was like a perfect slam right right to whatever dumb thing that this guy was just kind of lobbing these softball uh, remarks to her right. waiting for her to just tee off on it. And she did over and over again. Yes. And anybody reading it would say, Oh gosh, well this was ridiculous. She exposed this guy for being a complete fool. Right. And, uh, and a bigot and a racist. Yeah. And, um, and why she wouldn't be proud of that. Cause I mean, to me, that's like the embodiment of what is awesome about the first amendment mm-hmm. that you can choose whether or not to engage somebody that's saying something stupid right. and expose them for being stupid to anybody that's listening. Yep. And it's, it's your right to say stupid things too. Um, and yeah, like it goes both ways. Of course you have the right to hate, to use hate speech and you, you have the right to speak out against hate speech. Now, maybe this is all like in, in your own private life, not so much obviously at a, at a, at a workplace where, yeah, if you're hateful towards somebody, if you're an at-will employee, you can be fired for whatever reason the employer wants mm-hmm. as long as it's not a you know, protected class. Um, but yeah, it kind of gets into this whole idea of what hate speech is, um, what should you be allowed to say publicly, and in which which forums or platforms. I I was listening today to a, a podcast, Joe Rogan, uh, his latest episode, I think, was... Uh, he was interviewing Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, and they kind of got into a little bit of this whole Alex Jones situation, which we've gone over before, but this this episode kind of made it fresh in my mm-hmm. mind, uh, which was the deplatforming of Alex Jones. And um, it, certainly these companies, I think, I guess, maybe, <laughs> have the right to kick whoever they want to off of their platform for whatever reason if they violate the terms of service. Yeah. But, but do they really? I, like, who's... I think Joe Rogan made the comment like, you can still be a racist and get your electricity to your house. Mm-hmm. You can still be um, xenophobic or homophobic and still receive like basic utilities. So the yeah. question I think is like, is social media a utility? You could be a racist and still have Mediacom internet service. <sighs> I just yeah. go round and round on this. I yeah, I mean, it's a. I find myself struggling with that one struggling to be intellectually consistent on this topic because I, I am a pretty libertarian thinker in terms of businesses and how they should have the autonomy to run their business the way that they want to. Mm -hmm. And of course, then like with the Patreon example or Twitter or something like that, if they choose to deplatform people or give people the boot or do special treatment one way or another, um, you know, based on politics, fine but then i guess where i start to have trouble with it is when there isn't an opportunity for somebody to come in and compete 
and do the mm-hmm. same thing to offer. Cause I, th- my understanding with like with the Patreon situation mm-hmm. in a vacuum that Patreon sort of has a lockdown on that, the way that that functions, um, the Patreon site where it's just like the trust account, you sign up and you okay. pledge to pay a certain amount and they shave off a little off the sure. top and pay out to the creators sure, sure. and they've deplatformed the Jordan Peterson's and the yeah. others. Um, Dave Rubin, I think Rubin, is another yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, and people have tried rapidly to set up a competitor mm-hmm. and, uh, they've run into all sorts of logistical problems because they can't work out the payment processing because I think that Patreon or maybe some others that are similar to Patreon have got some sort of a lockdown on the payment processing. When you say lockdown, do you mean like a legal lockdown? I, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, I don't really know if it's, yeah. yeah, if it's some sort of a copyrighted right. thing or, um, if they have some sort of exclusivity deal with, mm. I can't really articulate yeah. it very well, but the, um, what everybody has said that I've been following that's talking on this subject mm-hmm. is that the um, break, breaking into the marketplace to compete is sort of impossible mm. or at least very difficult. Yeah. And, um, and to me, that's no different than the, like I said last time, when the uh, you know automobile factory also owns the steel factory yeah. and also owns the, iron ore and you know they right. don't like own every link in the chain and they've got all this <laughs> yeah kind of and that's why they set up antitrust right. laws to right. to keep people from getting uh monopolies on whatever good or service so right right yeah and it's sort of like okay well if you don't like facebook you don't like twitter you don't like patreon just go go away and start your own thing and mm-hmm. you know you just look at like technically, I, I have the knowledge to be able to do that, and my students actually create their own little social network. They they program it from scratch. Really? Wow. It's kind of like a capstone project, and so they kind of know all that's involved with that. It's stripped down and simple, but it's still you know basic social network. But obviously, to to break into this 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 space to become even somewhat of a competitor to Facebook or Twitter is like nearly impossible, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, they can try, and there are people who are trying. There's, gosh, is it Gab? I think is a social network who they they pledge to not censor anyone basically unless there's like obvious violent, you know, threats taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of like the libertarian types and and free speech advocates will flock to there. But still, sure. how, how many people have heard of this? I don't even remember the exact name of it. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that's just it. The the big ones: your Twitter, your Facebook. I guess it's the Snapchat count, Instagram. For I don't sure, I really know what those are. <laughs> like all the kids are using them, but yeah, I, yeah, I guess they would. Well, Snapchat sure. is like just messaging with pictures, and I think you can also text on it as well. Yeah. But Instagram to me is identical to Facebook. I don't see. Well, Facebook owns them. Okay. Yeah, yeah and I, I, it's like hard for me to tell the distinction. Yeah. Twitter is like your what your kind of whittled down version of yeah, Facebook. I, I heard it, you know, Jack Dorsey on the Rogan show today, he explained it pretty succinctly. He said, Facebook is the platform you use to connect with the people that you know. And Twitter is what you use to connect with people you don't know and okay. like discover new things and learn new, new things about, you know, topics you're interested in. Hmm. 
And uh, they kind of get into like the whole why are you limiting it to 180 characters, 240, whatever it is now. But uh, yeah, there there are subtle distinctions why you'd use one over the other. And I find myself increasingly uh, moving towards Twitter. Okay. For the kind of the bite-sized nature of it. And yeah. The ease of following somebody and just digesting things. Well, yeah, what I was going to anyway, comment on yeah. was it like there's it's so getting to be, and I think this bolsters your argument, or I guess the argument that you were hinting at, um, that it's so ubiquitous that like has it crossed the 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 line or the threshold where it's sort of getting into uh, utility territory? Yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, um, and I don't know. I mean, I think you can reasonably take that position where it's um, so pervasive that, mm-hmm. and and then the the ones that are big are so big yes. that it's just going to be insurmountable for somebody to come in and compete. Right. Um, right. So when that's the case, then I think the making it like a utility. Mm-hmm holds a little bit more water and i'm sure there's legal definitions and all kinds of stuff you know behind the scenes that go into what is a utility and and uh yeah all that all that stuff that i just don't know about but um yeah it's like should you have a fundamental right to be on facebook regardless of what you what you think or or say Mm -hmm. or communicate well i don't think we'll be able to find a fundamental right to facebook in the constitution i I doubt it yeah um but we are able to find fundamental rights that are not explicit because mm. that's happened in mm. Supreme Court jurisprudence sure. at uh, different stages. So, yeah. anyways, uh, that may be in the future. I don't know if I can go on a tangent on that Please. subject real quick. Yeah. Dave's on his way over. I just got a text oh, from him. So <laughs> we can stall a little bit longer. We can, yes. <laughs> we can get Dave here. <laughs> okay. But so... In my con law classes in law school, mm-hmm. we spent all this time uh, kind of reading things in a historical arc. So we'd be on, say, the Commerce Clause for uh, for the legislative powers, right? It's, mm-hmm. You know, the Congress has got the power to legislate the channels and instrumentalities of interstate commerce, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and it starts off, you you read these cases and how they define the how they interpret the law way back when versus the most current commerce clause case for example. And you get to see kind of the arc of how the the law either gets expanded or maybe gets cut back Mm -hmm. in certain ways. Um, And it was always kind of perplexing to me uh, why these justices would want to, expand beyond just the letter of the law in terms Mm. of what was um, plainly written in the Constitution Mm -hmm. or what did the framers mean by the stuff that they put in the Constitution. Because there's a whole variety of different ways to interpret. You probably have heard of, have you heard of originalism before for constitutional? Does that have anything to do with like a loose versus strict interpretation? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I would say a strict interpretation would probably lend itself more towards originalism, okay. like generally speaking. But oh, no, I have not heard that term. Yeah. Or, like Justice Scalia was an originalist in his, um, the way he interpreted constitutional provisions. I think uh, Neil Gorsuch, the, okay. not the appointee before Kavanaugh yeah. that Trump appointed, yep. he's an originalist. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I, you know, I, I think there's a tendency if I can speak broadly that people on the left find originalism to be kind of backwards or Hmm. not, um, sort of this unwavering, uh, interpretation that that doesn't really fit with modern times anymore. Yeah. Um, because the document is so old. Right. But to me, it's the easiest and the strongest way to make a constitutional argument because it's plain and it's what's there. It's just Mm -hmm. a plain written word, plain meaning of the text or the intent that the framers had. Right. And, um, the other ways of course are to kind of inject policy arguments and um oh well this is how the constitution functions on the whole um and we need to sort of look at it through that lens the kind of theoretical positions okay um does this have anything to do with like i don't know the uh, i suppose the topic of gun rights where um the right to bear arms was introduced right, yeah. at that time when it meant something else compared to this time when maybe we don't need it. Exactly. Like it's a fluid flowing document that changes mm-hmm. over time, I suppose. Yeah, right. <clears throat> um, and that's that's the human element in constitutional right. interpretation. So somebody would who wants to make an originalist argument that likes the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. for example, they're going to look for everything that they can to say, well, yeah, the framers intended that, you know, that gun rights would extend to individuals and militia mm-hmm. looked at from the modern perspective means people in their house with a gun to protect themselves against the government and that sort of thing. And whereas, uh, you know, opponents to the second amendment are going to be like, no, hell no. It just, right. they're talking about muskets and they're right. talking about, uh, the Minutemen and that to yeah. fight off the British if they, invade again so apparently by the way if i can interrupt sure uh my father who is kind of a, a musket expert he kind of knows that world a little bit okay. apparently we had some fake news about uh old-timey weaponry that was introduced last week so what was the fake news I, he didn't get into details but he said he wanted to call in if we were taking you know phone calls <laughs> yeah and we should and I, correct the record <laughs> we but, should yeah. I, I don't know if there's a way we can rig up a phone call man i i don't System. know I mean, it's rickety enough as it is. I, I mean, I definitely would say that what we have is a cobbled together. <laughs> we're we're approaching nested. something resembling a Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> anyway. No, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some misinformation. But yeah. But anyways, kind of anyway. what I was driving at yep. with this Constitution stuff is it always perplexed me reading these cases where somebody would come along and there would be some sort of overwhelming policy reason for why they needed to have a case decided one way or another. Mm. So a good example of this, excuse me, would be like in the depression where, um, there was a particular case, Wickard, uh, V Filburn, where essentially this guy there, some state made a law that you can't, uh, keep any of your wheat that you grew None of your grain could be kept to, because it was a part of interstate commerce. Okay. And I just was like reading the facts of this, and I thought, this is utter bullshit. Like, they're telling some guy on his own property that he can't keep his own uh, wheat in his possession to grow the next year. Yeah. Because it's part of interstate commerce. And uh, 
anyways, that kind of stuff, you just drive mm-hmm. you nuts. And it's like, well, how did they get there? Right. You know, and it was always about this interjection of policy positions into their constitutional mm-hmm. interpretation. And my gripe is, this is really where I'm getting at. We should have been amending the Constitution a lot more than we have so far. I've often thought of that myself, yeah. But Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason why is because if you make amendments to address these changes in policy, then the constitutional interpretation becomes extremely easy because you have it right there. Right. There's no guesswork. mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Do you have any feel for why that didn't happen i know it's obviously incredibly difficult and i think that do. is why okay. yeah because you need like a super majority of the states sure. to sign off on it. i think it i can't remember the numbers yeah, but i, I, know I think it's like 60 75 percent something like that sure. sure so interesting yeah anyways yeah. so yeah, i no, that's belabor the point here stuff. with the uh Definitely. constitution <laughs> keeps me up at night <laughs> Can we do some more Drake news? Yeah, I was going to suggest we hop onto that clip if you haven't. Not fake news, but Drake Drake news. Okay. Bring her up here. And we'll do a switcheroo. Sorry, still don't know my hotkeys. So a little inside baseball. Viewers can see this video now, not us. Yep, that's right. I hope. Yes. (laughs) Okay. A university campus in the United States has been plagued by a string of racist notes being sent to students. But it transpired that one of the recipients was also, in fact, the author. We've decided that we no longer want you on our campus, which means you need to leave or else. We're scared. It was terrifying. Students were scared. We just want to make sure we're true to values. We, we, we practice those every single day. That gives us the resilience to deal with these things when they happen. They want to see us down, and we're not going to let it happen. All right. make these stories up they take the voice away from true victims it's a waste of resources it's a waste of energy and it's definitely a waste of of emotion in the community now an 18 year old drake university student was found to be behind four of the racist notes so pause it there anyways um for those that can't read (laughs) the timeline essentially was Racist notes discovered at my alma mater, Drake University. And uh, then the reaction to it was um, pretty substantial in terms of people uh, churning out for uh, rallies. Okay. And uh, sensitivity training. Sensitivity training. Sure, yeah. But at at that point in time, what they had was fairly substantial scary stuff right yeah oh absolutely racist notes yeah we don't want you here so on and so forth um and then there was also did was there a blurb about the robo calls on that yes. i did okay yep. yeah so somehow they somebody got into the uh university alert system mm-hmm. and then sent out 
robo calls to everybody about spouting off some, you know, Richard Spencer rhetoric yeah. or something. Right. Bad stuff. I don't even think we need to. No, um, it's like, and it just, it makes me so upset because this stuff does exist. Um, and it, it is a problem in some sense, but the question is how big of a problem is it? And if, like, if this really did happen and it wasn't a hoax, I would think that it was somebody playing a joke on the university. But instead, what you have is somebody on the left, presumably, who's trying to stir things up, not not play a joke, but like raise awareness for this. Or I, what do you think her motivation was for doing? Yeah, this, I, I don't guess? know. I mean, it's the the thing at the end there said that she was potentially kind of an attention seeker or yeah. something. But in this kind of, I think the the big picture here is like, what is this? Does this maybe we'll start with that? Does this say anything about like? activism in general or you know is this sort of an isolated bad incident or something but i mean it's hard to not come with the takeaway of okay well if you've got to manufacture uh yeah the causes for activism then how bad is it really to start with i yeah, mean exactly. is, uh, and then is the response justified because they had a huge rally with people what did it say 3500 people attended yeah. this rally and yeah. all sorts of fallout from it and you had the the police officer on there talking about I was a waste of resources and that <laughs> yes. with this. Hey, is that hey, Dave? Neighbor Dave. Hey, Dave. Come on in. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, yeah, we're live. We've so. Been going, going, going. <laughs> um. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> How you been, man? Good. 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 <laughs> been kind of an interesting afternoon. Okay. Yeah. I hope everything's okay. It is. Okay. It's just. The typical things don't go right nonsense, but oh, yeah. it's fine, you know. Well, that's all right. No worries. Yeah. Uh, fake news, Kyle flaked yeah. out on us with twenty minutes. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. He so. claims his baby's sick. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, do you want to do you want to do the toxic masculinity clip? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, okay. toxic masculinity. Okay. Yes. Check this toxic masculinity out, Dave. So let me pause it quick. That's a person <laughs> right here. That's an actual okay. Yeah. It's, and this guy is like spinning her around by her coat. Oh whoops. I think we're still on the camera. Wow, so that's a little old lady. Is that yeah? Uh... Hang on, I gotta back this up here. Let's start it over again. My bad audience. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> that that part cracks me up. <laughs> but yeah. She's terrified. She is yeah. very terrified. But yeah, so I think this is in Romania, I think. Yeah, look at these douchebags. That's pretty douchey. It feels third world country-ish to me. And, oh, and so they're going to do it again? Yeah. Go after her again. And my laughter is because this is so absurd. I'm not laughing at the poor woman. It's like my 
my reaction to something that is so unbelievably just horribly absurd is to laugh at it and that's exactly what i'm doing here sure it is (laughs) i mean go ahead dave i was just gonna say my first point is those guys look like they're in the i guess the age range where douchebaggery usually tends to kind of peak i would say maybe yeah Late teens, early twenties, yeah, perhaps. Wrong to me. Are you being ageist? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, and I'm also basing that on myself. That okay. was probably my peak douchebagginess <laughs> as well. Like, I would probably, yeah. That's a good. When were you at your douchiest? Would you say? Because mm. I know the exact age for me. Yeah, me too. Exact yeah. age. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a tough call. Probably right around like nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So okay, that was. Although I could have been douchier before, except that I was too douchey to see it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do your own. Yes. How about you, Ben? When we just getting into high school, and I was like down with the clown ICP. Oh yeah. Yeah. I re- yeah. So all right. Kevy used to be really into like super heavy metal, right? And I called yeah. him Heavy Kevy all Kevy. the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I would say this was prior to that. Prior to Heavy Kevy. Yeah. So you went through an ICP phase oh, before yeah. the um, heavy. Yes. Heavy yes, indeed. Kevy. Okay. Um, yeah. Why would I? I actually pulled them up the other day and see just to see what's new with the boys, and it's awful. But <laughs> I mean, worse than yeah. it used to be. It used to actually like carry a, a tune like sound good make points now it's just i don't know overproduced nonsense they lost their way they lost their way it's too bad did. so do you guys think that icp is like a gang didn't the fbi <laughs> define them as a gang or something Juggalos. recently and they, yeah yeah, one time. Like, yeah it was a juggalos yeah i think that's an absurd statement yeah indeed. yeah i don't i mean it's a little hard for me to get on board with juggalos are just a bunch of kind of trashy party people that's like that's all it is yeah to me at least and they, yeah, trashy party people. That it's pretty well that. sums it up. Who <laughs> like? It's a way of life. Whoop whoop. <laughs> like, it's a strange blend of like borrowed African American, yeah, and like, you know, the Southern Confederate. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Or, or and, and a little and a nice healthy dose of Jerry Springerness. Right. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a redneck element yes. to it for sure. I would yeah. say, um, but I don't know. It, yeah, it's hard to quantify, kind of. Yeah, it... I've seen some of those docs on like the the gatherings. Yes, and that. That's and great. Those, oh yeah, it's look great. those up on YouTube, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, gathering the Juggalos. I think they call them infomercials. Yeah. They have one every year. We can. Uh, I'm sure they are chock full of info. I'm sure. <laughs> Put a link in the description or something, but. Yeah. yeah, I find the security interesting at those things. Like, it sounds like the cops just leave them alone, basically, in the woods somewhere in America yeah. to, to do whatever they want to do. Now, I wonder if they kind of, per, like, patrol the perimeter or something and try to cape them in. Because, I mean, I think, like, if you were on every kind of... <laughs> I imagine it's a lot like a... Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine it's sort of like a, like a rave or like a, you know, like a concert where the cops just sort of tolerate and try not to let anyone get trampled. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the minimum, you know, it's the probably goal. The yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys are like way less douchey than me. I, I was my, 
my douche phase, I think, probably began, if I'm being fair, at like mm, 1920-ish, we're around in there. The late bloomer. I was a late bloomer, <laughs> but then the problem was it lasted till I was like oh, no. thirty. Oh, so did you? <laughs> what was the? What was? Did you have the collar up? Um, no, I I didn't pop the collar. I went so I went through this phase when I was like twenty five, and uh, there's video evidence of this, <laughs> but um, I never really got the frat experience. I was just college, gonna go there. You and kind I, of beat me. Kyle and I kind of started our own fraternity. Just the two of us, yeah. Is this the and, Esterville Church of Satan? No, I mean, part, I, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. But That uh, sounds like a frat I might want to <laughs> yeah, join, actually. Right. So, <laughs> anyways, we were just having a good time being young dudes or whatever, but, yeah, like, skinny jeans and t-shirts that were too tight, and I was, like, <laughs> lifting weights all the time. and. Oh, yeah. I definitely around. went through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... That was probably my peak douchiness, but, you know, on the bell curve of my douche arc, yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> the top was. <laughs> yeah. Podcast definitely brings it down a little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, humbles yeah. Us. yeah. My testosterone is yeah. like 40 points lower than it was before we did this podcast. Well, so. and, you know, it's like you kind of have to quali- qualify what does douchey mean. I mean, does douchey mean, like, to me, like, those guys, that's very dis- that's unquestionably bullying behavior, yeah. which is like to me the max, like the exact, mm-hmm. like that is the worst of douchiness. Right. Really. I mean, if this was in the United States, I don't think it was, but my legal analysis of the, that, uh, <laughs> it'd be probably criminally in Iowa. If it took place in mm-hmm. Iowa, for example, they would definitely be criminally liable for like assault. Assault. Yeah. yeah. And Iowa's assault statute sort of wraps assault and battery together. Okay. Um, which is different than other states because, you know, hmm. your assault is generally like, I'm going to punch you, you know, ooh, and then your battery is the actual punch. Whereas you... Iowa blends it to. Really? Yeah. So you could you could get charged with assault for not actually punching someone? Right. It's like if I just grab your arm, that's assault. That would be that would cross into the battery territory right. because you're making contact. Oh, yeah. so assault can be actual no assault? actual contact? Right. Yeah. Well, so if I just flinch at you, mm, yeah. mentally assault you. It's the way I learned it for the like the bar, which is the general, you know, kind of um, cover as broad of bases as possible, black letter law for what it means. Um, assault was to put somebody in the immediate apprehension of serious bodily injury or harm. So, um, yeah, it would, all it would take would be you kind of feeling threatened that I was going to clobber you or something like that. If I cross the line to actually making contact, then we're into the battery zone. Wow. Yeah. Huh. But Iowa blends it to, yeah. which I think is sensible. I agree and, because uh, you feeling threatened should not criteria for a crime in my view yeah i mean i mean how do you deal with the person yeah. with the egg egg uh, shell skull right or the eggshell um what am i what's the word i'm looking for you know your eggshell psychology what, what if it's a fragile person that i what if i trip as i'm walking by and they think i'm gonna clobber them but i really right. didn't mean to well, what if your wife is pregnant, she's all hormonal and crazy, and somebody gives her some lip at the Dairy Queen, and she has a freak out, and they've 
they feel yeah, right. threatened. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, as the husband, I would not feel threatened, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home with it. Well, <laughs> I, I think this gets into a larger issue, though, of like um, people speaking on on college campuses, for example, uh, where students feel threatened, so these people aren't allowed to speak or are just kind of. Uh, harangued until they decide that it's no longer safe for them to speak, which is ironic because the people that were going to get their feelings hurt are retaliating by threatening somebody else and in turn, like making them feel unsafe. And so I, I like this whole issue of my feelings are hurt. You should be punished yeah. is something that we're dealing with a lot. I think these days in mm-hmm. um, the outrage culture and so forth. However, I would qualify that by saying that colleges Who's in college? People that are in their sort of peak, dumb, douchey mm-hmm. phase, right? Where they're, I don't know, they're still like easily butthurt, I yeah. guess. I guess. It's not you a know. bad point. They are certainly less seasoned than uh, some of us other adults who've had a little bit more life experience, more right? Callous. A little, I, little more callous, a little more jaded. I have this distinct memory of undergrad where um, there was like some pro-life thing on campus and they put these huge like images of like, you know, aborted fetuses and stuff. And people got really bent out of shape about it. And I'm just like, if you don't want to look at it, then keep right on walking. It's not that hard. Like, (laughs) I don't know, like I get if you want to engage and talk about it, I mean, I personally am not of the pro-life persuasion, but I don't really care that they're doing that, you know. You could argue that it's sort of a troll move, and it sort of is, right? But yeah, I, I don't really care. Like, I just... Unashamedly pro-life, and that doesn't seem to be the most effective way to get your point across, so... Do you guys think you guys? I think the consensus is they should be allowed to put up those posters and signs, but on on campus is that is that what I'm hearing? Like they should have the freedom to do that. I think they should. Okay. Now, does that should it be just like unqualified? I don't know. I certainly it seems to me that you should keep those. Maybe maybe there you could have some sort of qualifications. Like I don't want to necessarily walk all over campus and see dead fetuses on every single. You know, right. cork board everywhere. But certainly not in the cafeteria. I don't know. Just... Well, and I think the way that universities address that is a thing called like a prior restraint on speech. So what they'll have is some sort of a, okay, say whatever you want to, but you need to apply for a permit, and here's okay. where you're going to be, and yeah. this is the time frame, and that sort of thing. All that stuff, perfectly legal restrictions on speech, like sure. they, and for and it's a look probably for a ease of operation like a logistical thing because yep. like dave says if there's just aborted fetuses everywhere you go all over can't i mean how do you how do you you're, how are you supposed to operate an educational institution right. when people are allowed to just put up whatever whenever and that kind of thing so um and, and yeah. i'm sure those folks had to put in for some kind of permit or whatever right you know and they can't just like camp out there for months on it i right. mean maybe they can i don't know i didn't they didn't Probably not, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. I but. think Steven Crowder goes through that process when he does the Change My Mind exactly. series on YouTube. Yep. He has to get his permits and things in order to camp out there for a few hours and yeah. do mm-hmm. his thing. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I'm of the mindset, let them talk. I had a similar uh, experience happen to me, Dave, and it was kind of my free speech awakening. I think I talked about yeah, this on the this last good. podcast, but I was, I, I want to say it was my first semester at Iowa State, and I'm walking along with a good friend of mine, and uh, it was the same deal. You know, think like Westboro Baptist Church type people with their... Uh, God hates God hates fags fags or, whatever. or whatever. Yeah, blasting some kind of inflammatory rhetoric, whatever it was. Just screaming at people, you're all going to hell, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of off-putting to me. I was like, what's up yeah. with these guys, you know? And I said to my friend, you should tell these guys to shut up. What's up with it? I mean, they shouldn't let them do that. So this is ridiculous, you know? And he's like, that's free speech, man, you know? Just go up and tell them to shut up yourself. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So right. that's how that works, you know? Yeah. No, it was a good... Uh, Good, good moment for me. Good kind of educational time for, for me. So, I, yeah, it was it was great. It took me a while to yeah. get the nuts and bolts hammered out after that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. I mean, yeah. I just sort of felt like. You, and isn't that what college is all about, though? Yeah, extreme you know? ideas and exactly. having your points refined and and just being open to new. Lots and experiences. But when Ben Shapiro or whomever it is, uh, yes. is uh, whatever they say is quote unquote actual violence or something. Um, you know what I mean? I think that am I misconstruing that or something? But the the rhetoric that Ben Shapiro spouts off okay. is uh, inciting violence. Inciting violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that gets into like, whose fault is it? Like, shouldn't shouldn't you be in control of your emotions and just physical space enough where you're not going to be physically violent if you hear an idea that you don't agree with? Or is it the person who's giving you these ideas in the first place who's prompting so-called your physical response to those ideas? Mm -hmm. I don't think ideas... Like... I, I don't know. Your thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess from... like, I mean, I kind of think of it like... I always kind of try to look at the situation from an incentive point of view, right? So if you think about administrators... Well, what is their number one goal? Really, it's to not get sued or to not bring bad publicity to their school, mm -hmm. right? Those are the two big things. And so, like, if somebody is out there just deliberately trolling, race baiting, or being, you know, calling racist names, yeah, I mean, sure, that's something that they're going to probably want to limit, right? And that makes sense to me. Like, now, having said that, does that, I mean, I don't know. It's a kind of a tough one. Like, I get the incentive part of that. Because you are. You're dealing with young people that are still coursing with testosterone, and they're kind of, you know, if they were anything like me, they were kind of dumb back then, you know, at that age, and just easily more inclined to See, uh, allow things to escalate yeah. into what could be like some kind of riot or Kent state type situation or whatever. Right. Like, I don't know. It kind of goes into my overarching theme for the podcast, my position on most things, which is like nuance has been lost. Things are either black and white, white, and there's no gray. And so what you're saying, I can see why the universities would definitely want to err on the side of not letting an openly race baiting person speak on campus, because if they allow them to speak, the headlines are <clears throat> university of blah, 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 allows racist, 
uh, pro-racist person to talk in their campus, and that doesn't look good for them. Right. But if you get beyond the surface, you could you could go at it from like a free market perspective, where if there's an open racist talking at your university, how many people are actually going to show up, and what is the counter protest going to look like to that? And then the headlines could become, if we're smart, um, university though doesn't support this person's view, supports free speech in America or something like mm-hmm. that and values the importance of the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. But we're not that nuanced. Yeah. We All we see is racist is allowed to talk at university. University endorses racism. <laughs> That's, or people, think, or just people, just the university then just becomes associated with a particular, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then they don't want to tie their wagon to yep. so-and-so. I think that's how, to put it bluntly, how dumb people are. Where if you allow a racist <laughs> to talk at your school, you're automatically supporting racism. It imputes the, the uh, school. Yes. It's, yeah. Right. And it shouldn't. Right. Absolutely should not. What, what you should be saying is we allow free speech on this campus, even if we don't agree with the speech that is freely spoken. Yeah. And how did we arrive there? It's such a perplexing thing to me because outrage culture. I guess. Well, but to be fair, I would say that there have always been limitations on free speech. I mean, you know, Johnny got his gun has been taken off the shelves whenever there's a war, right? There's always been people wanting to make sure that, I don't know, Huckleberry Finn isn't read in schools or mm-hmm. whatever, or, you know, so there's all that. And then there's, you know, people were afraid to maybe speak their political sp- persuasion during a Red Scare or whatever yeah. back in the day. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like there's always, it's not quite like, it's easy to fall into that, oh, things are, you know, it's a slippery slope and back in my day. I don't know. But I feel like we often forget some of the things. We forget some of that dynamic, too. That there's always been, maybe, right? When people say, for example, oh, thing, things are getting so much worse. But really, yeah. no, they're not. Things like people, I see I see people on Facebook saying, oh, abortion is just out of control. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And right. like, actually, abortion peaked in 1980. I mean, that was, was ever thus, though, right? I mean, isn't hasn't that always been kind of something that everybody falls about? Oh, things are going to hell. Yeah, every yeah. kids these days, the right? Like, right, yeah. Um, but in fact, it's like the the best standard of living, even for the poorest of the poor, at least here in the United States. Yeah. Violence of all sorts Um, is way down. Right. right? So, Uh, I mean, crime is way down. mm -hmm. And just go ahead. No, well, that was maybe there's a remark there. Mm -hmm. Could we get kind of touched on like with that, uh, Drake story with the manufactured activism. Yeah. If, if things really are improving and nobody talks about it, every, all the rhetoric is bad, this, bad, that all the time, then I suppose that would lend one to think that you would need to manufacture a boogeyman to keep the activism going because if it's all, if the glass is half full, then, uh, you know, it's, it's a little harder of a sell to get people on board with your cause, right? Yeah, that is true. Um, I just always go back to let's focus on the actual racism and not the perceived racism of a whole like, what was the, the story I just heard? Uh, some news network got outraged because there was a picture of some coal miners and they were covered with like soot and stuff. And this picture was accusing them of like doing blackface black or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, that's so insane. And 
let's focus on the real racism and not like the 20 KKK members out in bum F Indiana mm-hmm. uh, somewhere. Uh, that seems like wasted energy to me. Yes, racism exists in this country, but it's not institutional racism. It's not as widespread as I, I think that people would like us to believe. Maybe that's a discussion that we should have in the future. Um, on the subject of institutional racism, yeah. where, so, um, where do you think the argument is that is the strongest that there is institutional racism. I mean, would it exist in like, um, maybe the universe of, uh, incarcerated. That's people? kind of where I would yeah, go. Go take it that, take so it that way first. Can you explain that. Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, yeah, I'm unprepared to unpack this. <laughs> right. Kind of me too. I was going to say that's that. Why too. I wanted to delay the conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, I think you would point to the numbers of people who are non-white that are incarcerated, and then, you know, I guess would be sort of the satellite view of it, but... I think there have been studies done that have shown that for the same crimes, people of color get harsher sentences, that for... And like I said, I don't know that much about it. For something like... Something that's kind of irrelevant something like i mean i say relevant that's my own so i would say like something benign relatively benign like smoking pot or whatever that even though rates of use are about the same across race that people of color tend to get nailed for it more Mm -hmm. often i don't know yeah Although, like I say, I say that I don't, I, mean, I wouldn't like bet the farm on those right. those statements. That would be interesting to see the numbers on that, though. Yeah, see where they come from. We should prep that for a future episode. You know, set aside a block of time to dive into that because I think that's an interesting subject matter. And mm. I mean, hopefully, we don't wind up in the same sort of uh, spinning wheels department as we are in the the climate change <laughs> <laughs> arena, where we're I like, know. I don't know. Yeah, all I'm doing is asking questions, man. Yep. I want honest, (laughs) open debate and dialogue. I will say that I do feel pretty, pretty comfortable in saying that I think that incarceration is way overused and just not a good way to manage society. I just, generally speaking, it doesn't. I think it works. I mean, it's just a bunch of wasted money to teach people. To meet other criminals in prison. Right. You know, I don't know. What do we do with our demonstrably, uh, our members of society that are demonstrably dangerous and, you know, the ones that we, like, we can't. Well, certainly, like, repeat violent offenders can't just be allowed to roam free. Mm-hmm. That's different, right? Yeah. But certainly, like, people that are caught up in drugs and alcohol or whatever, that's a totally different thing. And right. it's it's a... I think it should be treated as a disease instead of like, you know, here, three strikes. You're never going to, we're just going to put you in a cage and spend 50,000 or how many hundred thousands of dollars just to keep Mm -hmm. you caged up. Like, it just seems a ridiculous way to handle it. Yeah. My attitude sort of drugs have changed over the years too, where like I suddenly realized that oh my goodness, marijuana is a plant that grows naturally out of the ground, and you should be able to do with it what you please. I've never smoked pot myself, but 
I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Like, just treat it like alcohol, as far as I'm concerned. Mm, yeah. It can be good or bad, depending on how you use it. Right. Same is true for all other drugs. But at the same time, I recognize that heroin is probably not the same category as marijuana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting, now that states have more and more decriminalizing marijuana, and then more and more are having medicinal and um, uh, recreational marijuana, if, first of all, the floodgates will open up nationwide on that subject, I think they probably have, but then what it, what's the chance it'll expand to other types of drugs? Like, mm, yeah. what about a, you know, your cocaines or your heroines that other kind of, I mean, I, could an argument be made that it's better for the government to <clears throat> tightly regulate that stuff and control it and tax it and that kind of thing? I mean, the I have read that in yeah. Colorado, at least, that opioid addiction has actually gone down mm. relative to states. That makes sense. I mean, if you're going to smoke some pot, if you have, like, pain, or maybe you just have some sort of anxiety disorder, you know, you might... Whereas opioids are physically addictive, incredibly yes. addictive, and they're also mostly synthetic. Yes. For whatever that's worth, cooked up in a lab in China somewhere or whatever. Like, that's... I mean, they could kill you. Pot really can't kill you. Like, in fact, the only thing about pot that can kill you is that it's criminal, really. Yeah. My wife just wrecked her back over the Christmas break. It was just agonizing pain. And about the only thing doctors could do for us that time over the holidays is basically throw pain pills at her. And that stuff scares the crap out of me. Like, I sometimes I'm, like, interested in, oh, I wonder what that feels like. Like, why are people addicted to opioids? Maybe I should try it, but no. <laughs> like, that stuff is just like, ugh, get away from me. It's mm -hmm. so just wrong. Yeah. It's so manufactured and... I don't know. We need. Uh, I got some when my uh, I had my yeah, root wisdom teeth taken out. Pharmacy end of that. Yeah. What's that, Dave? Sorry, Dave. Uh, I remember they gave me. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was Percocet. Mm. They gave me when I had my wisdom teeth removed. Mm. I took some and they helped. Sure. But is it is it obvious or easy to see why people might become addicted to it? <sighs> I mean, I feel like I didn't take it long enough mm. to get. I mean, it will definitely, it can definitely kind of plaster a stupid smile on your face, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I certainly didn't, no, I was just, I, it was, I never got anywhere close to that, yeah. but. It just seems so backwards and strange to me that that stuff is legal with prescription, of course, but yet a plant such as marijuana is yeah. it's just totally stigmatized and shunned it's it's not you know it's getting better but um where are our priorities yeah. it's it's pretty absurd really mm -hmm. and i think that that is historical it's sure. just oh, yeah. like this Reaper historical madness. right and i you know i think actually interestingly enough i think it's a pretty good argument that the criminalization of marijuana is quite racist actually <laughs> okay yeah. hmm. interesting yeah it, maybe we can uh, touch on that subject when we hit the uh, um, institutionalized racism subject matter. I mean, that yeah. seems to me to be a maybe a bullet point in, in that bigger conversation. Yeah, well, you know, um, Dave, I think, did you tell me that you had some updates on the GMO stuff? that we had talked about a few weeks ago that you learned some new info or something? Oh, a little bit. Okay. Nothing too exciting. I just, um, 
basically what they do is they they can set up bacteria bacterial plasmids they can they can insert so back uh, a plasmid is basically ring dna that is sort of unique to bacteria so we have like linear dna it's like strings right um so bacteria have both but i know that they have plasmids that they can exchange freely from one another so they can actually like like i don't really know them i don't know if anyone really knows the me mechanics of it but they can exchange dna from one to their neighbor and so forth and that is one reason why they're so able to quickly become resistant to um, drugs or to toxins or all hmm. sorts of things. But anyway, so they could they could take these plasmids, open it up, and insert a piece of DNA in it, and then they can yep. grow that bacteria then on, in culture or whatever, and then the DNA just sort of re you know it reproduces exponentially or mm -hmm. geometrically or whatever, and then they can. So that is something that a lot of bacteria can actually do is one of the ways that they can attack cells is insert DNA into a, their own DNA into a cell okay. and then sort of hijack the DNA of the uh, victim cell hmm. for its own ends, right? And so that's, that's, they've sort of harnessed that bacterial technology to inject DNA from bacteria, put it into the bacteria, replicate it a billion times or whatever, and then right. inject it into some target host, mm -mm. right? So, and then the like the big picture of what's happening here is you get to an end of now we've got a crop or something that can be uh, sprayed with Roundup or something like right. that, and it won't uh, yeah. won't kill the plant, right? Right. Yeah. That whole thing is. Uh, I've seen documentaries about all that stuff. Yeah, we had a wild stuff. pretty good, a couple of pretty good GMO discussions, really? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, one was, yeah, Dunning-Kruger style. It was just yeah. uh, <laughs> before we had Dave on, yeah, we were just sort of bloviating about, like, oh, what do you mean? Let's like, take a gala apple and a Braeburn or something and, you know, mix it yeah. and make a Jimbo apple, and what's the big deal, you know? How's that? A, yeah. But, you know, the, the kind of the more the mad scientist-y it is, to yeah. me, sort of the late uninitiated, the yeah. spookier it gets. To, I mean, indeed. so, and I don't know. I mean, it, it, well, personally, it doesn't really spook me. It's like, it's a power that can be used for ill or good, right? Mm -hmm. Like any superhero power, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what always boggles my mind is the resistance from companies like, monsanto to label their products and say if they're gmo or not um the resistance to that i don't know i guess what their argument would be for not doing it other than i suppose cost having to actually print the labels but as a consumer i would think that more information is, is probably better you know yeah. if, you want it, if you're into gmo eat it if you don't want to don't but at least you should know what's on there well i think you kind of said it well before is that uh, people are kind of dumb for example um <laughs> it's like it's marketing, right? They're afraid that it's sort of like when you, I just get so annoyed. It's just kind of, it elicits an eye roll for me every time when they're like, it's like <laughs> gluten free. Well, no kidding. There's no wheat in it. You know, like <laughs> it's a product that's gluten free. Yes. Like, right. It's, it's just absurd, but people see that and they're like, Oh, well it yeah. must be healthy then. Yeah. Right. It's absurd. But people glom onto these sort of heuristic simplified notions that become sort of fads or whatever. And, mm -hmm. yeah. 
sometimes they're reasonable and sometimes they're complete BS, but you know, whatever. Right? This podcast has probably got the most gluten-free people of any <laughs> podcast. How many do we have? Um, my brother. And yeah, you and Kyle. Yeah, both celiac guys, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. And then is Tom a sub or... Well, does Tom subscribe or does he watch too? Uh, We've got celiac in the, week, but yeah, there's definitely the celiac too, yeah. on the grim side. <laughs> yeah, sure. and, you know that'd be interesting to get my daughter tested to see if, if she has the disease too. Mm-hmm. Um, we just haven't done it yet. Yeah, she seems to be okay with. We don't give her tons of wheat and stuff, but she has like peanut butter toast. And sure, things mm-hmm. seem to be going fine. But. When did the symptoms start to? All right, you know. Yeah, so isn't it sort of a delayed onset thing, right? Um, my symptoms, luckily enough, started right before I moved away to college. So that made my two favorite food groups, pizza and beer, (laughs) hard to uh, (laughs) indulge in. Um, and so I was like, I was eating pop tarts every morning for breakfast, and I go to my my lectures in the morning, my stomach rumbling and stuff. What is going on here? And so I just got tested, and sure enough, yeah. Bingo. So if you were to have a beer, yeah, what would uh, happen? I mean, you, you don't have to probably, get too explicit, but yeah, you know, I'd probably be the only one left in the room. Put <laughs> okay, all right. I'd be sleeping on the couch. And it doesn't take much either, no, right? No, just like trace it. It. right? Yeah, because yeah, beer would have trace gluten. Yeah, and it's uh, wheat, barley, and malt are kind of the big three that you got to watch out for. And the good news is, kind of like we were saying earlier, is you know, most things don't have gluten in them. Like, you go eat a head of broccoli. There's no gluten in broccoli. There's no gluten in a potato. Um, it's like the soups and things where there's lots of ingredients that it tends to slip in yeah. for fillers and whatnot. Thickeners. Mm-hmm. And there are a fair number of grains that don't have gluten. Yeah. Corn and rice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So. And then how tough is it in the restaurant universe for you then? It's getting so, a lot better, okay. actually. Um, I don't have it as bad as my dad, Tom, does. Uh, where. He used to like have to wash his silverware separately and stuff to avoid cross contamination. Wow. But you know, mine if they make if they fry a batch of you know French fries in the same fryer as they fry a breaded chicken breast or something, I'll be fine. Mm. It's not that big a deal for me. But uh, yeah, for some it's a it's a huge deal. No, like at uh, some restaurants, they'll have to scrub down their grills and sanitize everything. Yeah, I, I don't need to do that. Right. But my dad probably does. Hmm. I don't know about Kyle. What about like soy sauce? Do you... Some is fine. Like Hy-Vee brand soy sauce. There's my plug. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> There's no gluten in that. But some right. people use it for like, say, a filler. Um, if you if you see like xanthan gum in the ingredients list, that's usually an indication that it's gluten free. Xanthan gum kind of does the same thing. It's gluten. It's a thickener. Yeah. It's a thickener. Yeah. Mm. It's a really expensive thickener. Interesting. Um, this has been your gluten free update. <laughs> Sponsored by Hy-Vee Soy Sauce. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not plagued with that celiac thing. I either. don't, you know, wish that on my worst enemy. It's a yeah. hell of a thing, man. It, it, you know? I always laugh at, like, people who aren't celiac. You know, we're talking about the fad, the gluten-free fad, where get, lose weight by eating gluten-free. That's kind of true because you're eating fewer carbs and, and less bread and things, but, like, just by its very nature, it's not going to make you lose weight. It's just kind of a side effect. I would argue that it sort of misses the point a little bit. The problem isn't, it's not flour or wheat. It's refined white that 
it's sort of denuded of any mm. nutrients <laughs> or or fiber or anything. And then, but but what do most people eat? They're eating bear claws, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, or I pizza, <laughs> right? Like that's where they're getting. I don't know. So, I've got a question for you, Dave. When did bread get so shitty? You know what I mean? Because bread in the grocery store, I learned this trick to flip over the loaf of bread and start reading the ingredients. Mm. And, you know, the, the ones that come first are the most important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you want your actual uh, protein and nutrients and that kind of stuff in your slice of bread, it better actually yeah. have, like, the whole uh, wheat grain thing, right. you know, not be like the first ingredient is like enriched <laughs> bland. So, the, that question would probably, the answer would probably be somewhere around the 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, Wonder Bread was like the the new what a strange time. Jello came from then, too. Yeah. It's just strange foods. and TV dinners. Probably TV dinners. The preservatives yeah. and the, all the junk. And, uh, you know, there was white flour was like prior to what they call um, the, the, they used to just have they used to grind flour with stones, right? Rock. And then they came up with this way to remove the outer part. And so you could you could make it whiter by winnowing it and such, but you could never really get it that white. How white but, are we going here? Careful. Right, right. Checking my privilege. <laughs> Checking my privilege. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> um, so it was it was actually sort of a sign of like class to have the whitest flour because it was expensive and it, yeah. you couldn't get it that way. And so then it became so in the fifties, like they found this way to make it as white as can be. And everyone wanted that because it was, it was like hoity-toity, but also more importantly, um, manufacturers like it because it in- increases shelf life. Right. So maybe so, the supermarket thing could have been a driving factor in that. You know, you get your interstate transit system and trucks yeah. and supermarkets and capitalism sounds like the culprit could be hey, well yeah i mean shelf life means you can sell the product for longer you can have less yeah. loss less yeah loss. uh like a, a really grainy kind of coarse loaf of bread is probably going to go bad pretty quick it's right? true you i know, mean it's going to get moldy but we make our own bread at home pretty often and it's not that hard it's not and it's like what three ingredients right it's nothing but then you know the supermarket stuff's gonna have all these leaveners and preservatives and strange this and that um yeah and my wife is sensitive to all sorts of like preservatives and stuff Mm. she's kind of hyper allergenic broadly speaking so we try to eat pretty clean Bread is an easy thing. What I can say is it definitely, like, it has a much shorter shelf life if you make it at home. Oh, I mean, I can that. just sort of say that. From yeah. Me. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was able to sample some of your homemade bread. You're kind right. enough as Dave Neighborman right. to bring over a loaf good of bread. We, uh, good neighbor. It was, right. Yeah, it was very, uh, very, very good. You know, yeah. I, I tore into about... 75 percent of that thing <laughs> laura yeah i gave laura the end scraps yeah all right so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it was good um 
it's too bad that more people aren't into making stuff from scratch at home. And I guess it's maybe a convenience thing, right? The American lifestyle of nine to five and time and convenience time, dump whatever contents of a box into the thing and call Mm. that home cooking. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. America. America indeed. America. Fellas. Out of time. Yeah, it's about 90 minutes. Okay. According to my watch, or at least approaching. Sounds good. Cool. Should we... Uh, so I can remind people to check us out on iTunes, Project Iron Podcast. New episodes being added, like, I don't know, every other day or so. Um, we're pretty excited about getting it up there. At least I am, because I, I understand that once you're in the po- iTunes podcast directory, you're basically golden. Like, you can get at that from any device, not just Apple devices. So that's pretty cool. Um, YouTube, Project Ion Podcast, projectionpodcast.home.blog is kind of where the raw um, MP3 uh, files are found if you're into that sort of thing. What am I forgetting? Project Ion Podcast at gmail.com. Anything else, fellas? Uh, well, I'll try to throw the links in the description. Cool. Um, I did not a very good job of that last week. Mm, so, good. yeah. Okay. Well, play us out here. Bye.